Love the family aspect this morning, just the flow. <laughs> Leslie was having trouble keeping up with her daughter with her spontaneous singing. <laughs> Sorry, we couldn't have the words because most of the songs were unplanned. And it's nice to see the sons defying the father when he tried to stop the worship. <laughs> I don't know if it was just defiance or it was the Holy Ghost or what, but yeah, so good. And. <laughs> And Cassie's out serving coffee while the sister's worshipping. And yeah, Karis is serving communion while her husband's sharing the word. So good. Really, um, I, I believe God's heart for us is to serve him, you know, as a family, both in our immediate families, but as we come together from different households, we become one family. And there's, there's no difference, you know, there's no, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile in the house of God. Uh, there's no individual families, we're one spirit. And in heaven, there's no marriage. Why? Because there's no marriage as we know it on this earth, but it's, it's, it's heaven. It will be a celebration of the marriage of the Lamb. And that's what we're, we're getting ready for. And these services, it's, it's just a preparation uh, for the marriage of the Lamb, which will go on for all eternity. So this morning, the Lord wants to speak to us about becoming a firebrand in his presence, a firebrand. And if we could open to Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, one of the last books in the Old Testament, I'm going to read from chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. It's a vision regarding the high priest. Zechariah 3, verse 1 to 7. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put the clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Amen. Jody just yesterday read this to me. She said, Do not let sin, Satan, or any of life's circumstances distract you from loving Jesus and that sums up this morning's sermon do not let sin Satan or any of life's circumstances 
distract you from loving Jesus. We see here a great contention as Joshua was in the house of God serving God. We know the high priest would go in and and minister to the Lord in the tabernacle and in the temple at that time. And we see there's a great contention here that took place. And we all are, in Revelation chapter 1, the Bible says that we are priests called to serve God. And just as the priest would go in and burn incense, it's a type of our worship before the King of Kings. But what we learn here is that there is a contention. Every time we come to worship Him, every time we come into His presence to burn incense and to offer up our prayers and our sacrifices to Him, there is something, there's a contention that goes on in the spirit realm. And the contention is this, that there, there is two agendas in this world. The first agenda is that Jesus would be glorified. That Jesus Christ would be manifest and that Jesus Christ would be revealed. The second agenda is that there is one who has come to resist that. And we know that that is Satan. Between those two agendas is sandwiched everything to do with mankind. Which involves everything that we get involved in. But we see here... There's something real going on. When we come to worship God, when we come into a place like this to offer up our praises to Him, there is something real that is going on in the spirit realm that the natural eye cannot see. And this is a contention that goes before us. But rest assured, Jesus is here. Jesus is standing here. When you bring a sacrifice to Him, even though there is a resistance And every time we come to worship, there is distraction. There's distraction in the atmosphere. And it's it's not the the noise of children. That is not a distraction. If you want to we encourage the parents to bring their children into the house of God. But there's a distraction that's beyond the natural noise that you hear. It's a spiritual distraction. And that's when you come to worship him, the enemy will put thoughts of doubt. The enemy will come with thoughts of criticism. The enemy will come with, with questions in your mind to distract you, to take your eyes off Jesus. We have a holy responsibility, and that is to bring our lives as a sacrifice to him and worship him. But we see there was a resistance here. Satan came with that resistance, but Jesus spoke for Joshua. Jesus defended Joshua. So the topic this morning is firebrands. Why? Because Jesus said to Satan, this man who has come to offer up incense, this man who has come to worship me in my presence, this man is a firebrand that has been plucked from the fire. So you are a firebrand this morning. You are not an ordinary human being you are someone who has been plucked from the there's a there's a fire burning in this world 
that's full of lust and debauchery and wickedness. And you have been plucked from that and you've been brought into the fire of God. So there are two fires burning in this world. One is for the fire of hell, the other is the fire of heaven. One represents rebellion, the other represents the love of God. So I looked up the uh, definition, a couple of definitions for firebrand from the dictionary. A firebrand is a piece of burning wood. First definition. A piece of burning wood. Firebrand is also a person who causes political or social trouble by opposing authority and encouraging others to do so. Sounds like the rebel. Firebrand is one who creates unrest or strife as in aggressively promoting a cause. A firebrand is also used as a weapon or as a source of light in darkness. So which firebrand are you this morning? Are you fueled from a source of rebellion, rebellion against authority? Are you one who rises up against the authority that God has put over you to create strife and trouble? Or are you a firebrand which is fueled by the love of God and are you a weapon for righteousness? Are you one who gets lit up in God's presence and one who the Lord can use as a torch to bring light in darkness? Joshua represented the nation of Israel. And as Jesus testified of Joshua to Satan that this man is a firebrand that I've been burning through my presence because I have chosen Jerusalem. I have chosen, there's a nation of people in this world that I have chosen to represent me. And that nation for us today is a New Testament church. God has chosen you, one from a family, two from a city, and he's brought you. He's brought you into this place. He's brought you to Mount Zion, which represents his presence. So when we come into worship, we come in with adoration, but we come like a firebrand that gets stoked in the fire. And as we allow the fire of God to move in our midst, we want to feel the warmth of his presence. We're not so stoic and so religious that we would take that stance that, Feelings are not important. We're not so, we're not cardboard cutouts that we would say that emotions are not important. Emotions are God given, feelings are God given. And when we bring our body, soul, and spirit into a place of worship, we encounter Him. And part of encountering the living God is feeling Him, experiencing Him in every aspect of your body, soul, and spirit. So as, as we come to his presence, let's feel his warmth. Let's, you can sense the presence of his warmth. When the Holy Spirit moves, you, that, it's that peace that, you've, that you feel. 
And it's very real and it's very good. God wants to bless us when we come to worship him. Satan has come to oppose that in your life. He wants to keep you out of pure-hearted devotion. Why? Because one thing that we know about our enemy, Satan, is that he did walk amongst the fire of God in the previous eternity. You can read that in Ezekiel 28, in verse 14. Where it reveals, the word of God reveals to us a little secret about our enemy. Once he was the anointed cherub. So Satan was once anointed with the Holy Spirit. He was anointed in God's presence. And his purpose was to glorify God with his life and to be a covering for others. We know Satan was one of the chief angels in heaven in the previous eternity. And, and the Bible tells us here, Ezekiel 28, 14, that he was the anointed cherub who covers. The Lord says, I established you. So he was anointed to be a covering, a protection because of his worship. He was, you were on the holy mountain of God, that is Mount Zion. And he walked, you walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. So Satan knew what the fiery stones were like. This is a very real experience. He walked in the midst of fire, the fire of God's presence. And in that place, he was anointed to be a covering. So when we... When we turn when pride comes into our hearts and even though we may have had an encounter with God's anointing and God's presence if pride comes into your heart you will fall you'll be rejected from God's holiness and then what you have what God has given to you becomes corrupted so for Satan he was a covering to other multitudes of angels when he fell he desired to be a covering to mankind on this earth. And unfortunately, we voted him in. Satan is now the God of this world and provides a covering to those who are in this world who are not covered by the blood of Jesus. Satan provides a covering, and his covering looks like rebellion. His covering looks like manipulation and control, which we know as witchcraft. His covering looks like sin debauchery, and as a result of Satan's covering, people experience pain, people experience sorrow, people experience heartache, people experience addiction as a result of this rebellious angel. He provides everything that is dark, everything that is wicked in our lives. So we see one thing gives this rebellious enemy of God a legal right in your life. What is that thing? It is your choice to agree with him. It is your choice to sin. It is your choice to rebel against God. That gives Satan a legal right to come into your life and do with you what he wants. And we see why when Joshua... The high priest came into God's temple 
to offer up sacrifices, Satan had the audacity to come into that meeting. But what gave Satan the legal right to come into that meeting? It was the condition of his garments. Joshua's garments were filthy. So when we come into this world and we soil our garments through the sin and rebellion, Satan has an opportunity to come into our lives. But in comes the blood of Jesus. Jesus was manifest to take away the sin of the world. Jesus came to destroy the work of the enemy. And, and, and as Brad beautifully articulated this morning, the power in the blood of Jesus. Praise God for the jelly wobbles. <laughs> the blood of Jesus takes all the jelly wobbles out of our lives so that we can stand firmly on the rock. We were, David, Psalmist David says, yes, he's lifted me out from a horrible pit of miry clay and he's set my feet upon the rock, the rock of Christ. Jesus came with his blood. Jesus came and displayed his blood on the hill of Calvary for the whole world to partake. But it's your choice today. Jesus personally rebuked Satan in Joshua's presence. Said, no, this one's been plucked from the fire. He's mine. The fires of hell have tried to destroy your life. But Jesus has come to pluck you from the very fires of hell. And he's put his fire in you. You're a brand plucked from the fires of hell and, and, and have been lit up by his presence so that you can be a light, a city on the hill for the whole world to see. The Lord rebuke you. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Satan has now no authority in your life. Although previously we, he did have authority in your life because you chose a life of sin and rebellion. But now you are here today to represent your choice. And your choice is the blood of Jesus Christ. And because you chose the blood of Jesus Christ, you are hereby free from every legal right that Satan would have to oppress you. So the fire of his presence is able to consume every sinful thing in your life. Every act of rebellion, the fire of his presence is able to consume and burn up that which is unnecessary. Just like in Australia, we have these bushfires that come through. And the bushfires provide a cleansing to the local uh, vegetation. We see that all of the, the weeds that uh, brought through uh, the waterways and through the creek beds, the lantana and the privet and other obnoxious weeds begin to take over the natural bush. But then the fire comes and the fire cleanses all of the weeds. It destroys the weeds. That which man could try and do over years of time with bush regeneration and, and tight tiring hand removal of weeds God does by sending his fire the fire of God comes and consumes that which is not native that which is not meant to be here 
And we see the local vegetation, such as the banksia and other uh, local native plants, through the fire, through the, the heat of that fire, they open up and the seed pods are able to open and after the fire has gone, the seed pods were able to drop seeds into the ground, which brings a natural form of regeneration. So what we need as God's people, why we come into gatherings like this, is because there's a corporate fire that burns. And as we give time to the Holy Spirit, we give time to the fire of God. And we know it was on the day of Pentecost when all the believers were gathered together. And in fact, God had called His Holy Spirit to come on the day of Pentecost when Jews from every nation came to gather that day at Jerusalem. That was the day the fire fell. So don't restrain from corporate gatherings. And why us as leaders, we have a responsibility not just to give time for the Word of God, but to give time for the Holy Spirit to flow. And as we wait in His presence, the fire of God has an opportunity to burn through our lives and do things which you didn't expect. So we see Satan is given an opportunity to bring resistance to our lives. But as we we know, resistance builds strength in the natural When you go to the gym or exercise, you are creating resistance. And that act of resistance, that physical resistance, builds physical strength. Same in the spirit realm. When we resist Satan and submit to God, we are creating spiritual muscles. If there was Satan, God uses Satan in your life. To bring trials, difficulties and opposition to your life to build your spiritual muscle. How good is that? So Satan is lost before he even started. In Obadiah chapter 1 verse 17 and 18, there's a wonderful verse about God's plan for his church. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance. Deliverance means freedom, freedom from the oppression of the enemy. And there shall be holiness, the holiness of God. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire. That's us. That's you and me. We are born into the house of Jacob as we are sons of Abraham by faith. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau shall be a stubble. They shall kindle them and devour them. No survivor shall remain of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Esau and Jacob were brothers. Esau denied his birthright. He denied the inheritance that God wanted to give him. He didn't take seriously the promises of God in his life. Jacob contested for the promises of God and made it his ambition to seek the blessing of God, even though through deceit. Therefore, God, in Mount Zion, there shall be holiness. In God's presence, 
He's eradicating Esau. There should be nobody in his presence that despises his promises, that despises his birthright. But we should value it. We should contend for it. So for us personally, we do not let anything, marriage, business, government, spouse, girlfriend, fiancé, we don't let anybody hinder the promises of God and our passion to inherit his promise in our life because we don't want to despise our birthright. 1 Peter chapter 1 Verse 6 to 9 speaks about the resistance that the enemy wants to bring in, in, in the New Testament scenario. Peter says this. He says, In this you greatly rejoice. So now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. So various trials are coming. Why? Verse 7 tells us why. That the genuineness of your faith. He wants your faith to be genuine. For this reason, trials are coming. Genuine faith. What is genuine faith? How do you know your faith is genuine? Well, I believe it comes to your motive. What motivates you to worship Jesus? What is your motive to be here this morning? Did you come to exalt yourself? Did you come for your own agenda? Or is your motive to glorify Jesus? Trials are coming into our lives to reveal the genuineness of your faith. Being much more precious than gold that perishes. We know gold is produced through a process of fire. Through trial by fire, the more fire the gold goes through, the more value it has. Your faith is tested by fire so that it will be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he's allowing you to go through trials, difficulties, so that you'll be ready when Jesus comes. Whom having not seen with your natural eyes, you love. Awesome, huh? Whom having not seen, you love. Now though you do not see him, yet you believe. You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Malachi 3 verse 2 and 3. He's like a refiner's fire. He's refining our lives. He's refining your life. It's, he seriously wants to refine you and make you as gold for his presence. And like launderer's soap. And he says that he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He's not in a rush. He's sitting. You see, Jesus is sitting. And he's patiently refining us. As a purifier of silver, it's a, it's a delicate work, it's an intricate work, and he's, in, he's interested in the details in your life. There's nothing that happens in your life that he's not into. He's sitting there, personally, working as a refiner 
and a purifier in your life. He's going to purify the sons of Levi. Who, Levi was the family that were chosen to serve in the, in the temple. You've been chosen by the blood of Jesus. You've been ordained to serve him in his temple. That's why there's a process that we give ourselves that we may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. So a surrendered heart is only sanctified further when the trials come. And it creates, the trials come, that creates a dependency. Our weakness is exposed and it creates a dependency on the strength of Jesus. Joshua, standing with his filthy garments, didn't have what it took to resist or to command Satan to go. He needed Jesus to come and rebuke him. We have been given that authority in the New Testament through Jesus to command Satan to go. Romans 8.28, famous verse, All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things, every trial, every calamity in your life works together to sanctify you to cleanse you, to purify you. In Romans 8.37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And you can read the list of trials and difficulties that Paul went through. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Satan comes to bring a division between you and God, but nothing, nothing can separate a heart that is given over to the Lord, that's given over to Calvary, that's committed. So Lord, hold us in the fire that we would not be consumes but hold us long enough that we would burn for you jesus said to simon or to peter simon simon satan is coming he's desired to sift you as wheat but i have prayed for you so he would say the same thing to you satan is coming he's desired to try you he's desired to sift you as wheat he's desired to oppose you i would be lying to you to say that Satan is not coming. He is coming. He came to Jesus. He came to Joshua. Satan can come right into this church. In fact, he's probably here now listening, watching. But Jesus has prayed for you. That is a comforting thought. And if Jesus has prayed for you, what is the result? <laughs> victory. Victory. Trials, do, do not be surprised when various trials come. I remember when I made a decision, personal decision in my life to uh, not to consult doctors or medication when I became sick. And um, yeah, I think Satan heard that. And <laughs> it was that time I was started feeling tired at work I've been working very hard and work ran out 
I didn't have any jobs, so I thought I'm going to take a holiday. That was very rare in my business when I trusted in God. I never ran out of work in occasionally uh, in instances like this. Anyway, I ended up getting some headaches and became quite sick. And for two weeks, this, these headaches would just become worse and worse. And I was just lying there suffering in the bed. No, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm not going to the doctor. And after two weeks, I was battling my wife, after, <laughs> who loved me and was probably a bit more sensible than I was, wanted me to live. <laughs> after two weeks of suffering, I tried to get up one morning to go to the bathroom and I couldn't actually stand. I couldn't move. And it was holy like, that's it, I'm taking you to the hospital. And uh, when I got down to Manly Hospital, they were quite surprised and, and the news was prognosis that I had some infection in the blood that I'd gotten uh, surfing at Curl Curl before they cleaned up the water. It was quite polluted after the rain. And um, the doctor had told Holly that, that it, you know, I may not live. And I spent two weeks in, in Manly Hospital uh, on the on the drip, and it rained every day for two weeks straight. And but you know I was there like questioning God, you know why? And I've tried to trust you, um, but you know why 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 this trial in my life? But you know God works all things together for good, and I met a little Hungarian lady there. Uh, who was doing uh, chaplaincy or pastoral care in that hospital. She was a beautiful little old lady, and I just heard her talking about Jesus in the ward, and I was hoping that she would come to me, and she came, and, and I met her. She introduced me to... I had a desire for hospital ministry, and I tried various uh, avenues. Nothing opened up uh, because I didn't have any qualification. But uh, this little old lady... Uh, her name Mag Magdi and she will be uh, getting plenty of rewards in heaven because she would in her spare time just go around the hospital and share the love of Jesus. So she introduced me uh, to, to this hospital ministry uh, which I was able to pursue for 12 years and I would just take time off work and weekends and just go to Manly Hospital and just go around and lead people to Jesus and pray for the sick. And God opened a door that I didn't even know was there. And um, actually, I was reminded this week, um, I woke up on Tuesday morning and the Lord said, get the church ready because there's people coming. And the uh, Lord asked me to open up that, that, uh, that wall there. So on Thursday morning, I thought, okay, we've got <laughs> encounter rooms tonight. I've got a day to get this done. I'll chop it out. Uh, but about 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, this guy pulls up out in the car park while I was carrying some stuff across the lawn. I hadn't seen him for a year. Um, and, but he was a guy that I had reached out to 12 years ago in Manly Hospital. And he screams out to me, oh, I need you, I need you, Jules, come see my father. And he hadn't even parked his car. And, <laughs> and I just ignored it and kept <laughs> coming in. Anyway, he comes in and 
wants me to, his father's passing away and he, he said he, he wants me to go and pray for him. And I said, look, I can't, I need to get this done. I've got a day to get this done. So he said, okay, I'll help you. And he goes to his car and he pulls out all these new tools and he <laughs> comes in and he worked with me all day. And uh, if he didn't come, then I would not have got that done because there was like bits of steel behind timber. I didn't even have the tools to, to do it. And, uh, but I was just amazed. And uh, so, yeah, we got it all done and cleaned up and set up in time for the encounter rooms. But, you know, the amazing thing was that, that after we finished, cleaned up, went and saw his father and was able to pray with his father and God's presence came into the room and, and we were just seeking God. And um, I don't know what happened in his father's life. He wasn't really uh, responding, but it was very significant because his father passed away uh, that night on Thursday night. And um, had a phone call yesterday from from the, this fellow's sister asking us to do the funeral for the father. And it's just amazing, you know, um, f- yeah, serving, serving God is worth it. Um, but there's a reason. Trials will come and hindrances will come. And, and I just want to encourage those with young families, you know, just bring your children into God's house. Don't let children hinder you. I made a decision Uh, when we had our children, that I would not allow them to stop me serving God. And as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And what you do for Jesus, eternity will will reveal. You may not see the fruit here in this life. But I remember when our girls were like seven and nine years old, they're not here this morning, but I remember just taking them down to Manly Hospital. And, you know, they were such a distraction. I couldn't pray for people like I usually would. I couldn't sit with people. But sometimes I would take them and, and the little old ladies that were there, you know, in, at death, some of them were, were close to death and others were having repeated sicknesses in their life. They would see these little girls and they, and, and they weren't interested in talking to me as the chaplain. They, all they wanted to do was just see the little girls and see their smile and talk to them. And I was like frustrated in myself. Hey, I'm the man of God. I come here to minister Jesus to you. And these old ladies just wanted to, you know, see the girls. And, and, um, but, you know, I made a decision that as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And I remember one old lady prophesied about Hannah and Sarah and, and, um, she said, these little girls are going to break many boys' hearts when they get older. <laughs> and uh, that prophecy came true. <laughs> They're not here this morning, so I just wanted to take that. <laughs> but yeah, the, you know, the things we do now, like this, even though they're small, eternity will reveal whatever you do for Jesus. And um, yeah. So if you're a young family, make your decision to bring your children. Don't be dictated by the whims of the little ones. You know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We'll put him first. You know, it's idolatry if you allow anyone or anything to keep you from God's presence and from serving God. There's a call on each of our lives. And having children should not hinder that. Um, but it just increases our responsibility. Praise God. So there's various trials coming, not only trials of physical attacks, but Jesus has prayed for you. Um, I experienced many trials, even financial trials in business. I remember after we got married, we went 
I'd, I'd had my business for five years and built it up to a certain stage. After we were married, Holly and I went on our honeymoon. We came back to find everything had been lost. And I had to sell my trucks in order to get a particular job done. So that was how we start our, started our marriage life. <laughs> but I chose to honour God in the financial area. I chose to, to surrender the first fruits of my increase to bring the, the, the 10%, the tithe into the house of God. And I saw God, just the little that I had, God just increased it, increased it, increased it to the point where I had 18 employees um, and, and just various vehicles and other things going around, around the place. Um, I, I went into a, another time before Christmas. I had a, a large project in, in Vaucluse and I cancelled all my other projects during Christmas time just to concentrate on getting this one. It was a various um, unit blocks at a high-profile area in Vaucluse and just put all of my energy and resources into that. I got it finished before Christmas, was happy. We went away uh, for a few weeks in January, came back, was wondering why the account hadn't been paid. I called up the office to find the phone had been disconnected. Instantly, my heart just sank. Everything I'd lost on that one job, I had to pay all my employees, my subcontractors had to pay all my materials. And yet I'm questioning, God, God, you said you blessed me. Why? <laughs> so I gathered some strength. The following year, or actually that same year, six months later, we, we took on another project of a church. And it was a very big project. And uh, we, I was quite excited about God's provision through a church only to find we finished the job and tried to get paid, but the building company had gone bust and the church had already, the funds that they'd allocated for the landscaping had already been paid. Into <laughs> so I was like, God, what, what's going on? But, you know, even in the midst of that, God taught us to trust him and rely upon him. And we honoured him with the first fruits of our increase and God partnered with us and I've seen that he is Jehovah Jireh but it was through financial difficulties and trials in that area that I've seen him come through abundantly and lavishly and uh, that is going through those difficulties in life that enables us to invite Jesus into that area if I haven't seen how would I know that God is my provider if I hadn't exhausted my own avenues. Abraham had that revelation of Jehovah Jireh when he exhausted his very inheritance through offering up Isaac. God will provide a sacrifice. So when we've got nothing in front of us, all we have is Jesus. So Satan comes to kill, steal and destroy, but I have prayed for you. Jesus has gone before us and he's standing there and he is... Uh, that, that fifth, that fourth man in the fire. Even though the fire may burn and you may get thrown in there, Jesus is there as a fourth man in the fire. So I want to get, where's Steph? Is Steph? Or Cassie? What's that song you pumped out before? Let's, let, yeah. Is that, a, is that a song or is that just an utterance in the spirit? Okay. <laughs> We need to do that again. I don't know if we can have the worship team up. 
Yeah, because, you know, maybe for you, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, in Babylon there was a king, Nebuchadnezzar, and he was a king of Babylon, and he's a type of Satan. And trials and temptations will definitely come to all of us in the area of finances. And you, God's plan is to bless you and prosper you financially. But there's a method to go through uh, the blessing of God and there's a method to invite the Lord into your life, into your financial area of your life. And as we commit to Him, you know, tithes and offerings is not something that we promote outwardly, but it is, it is a plan and, and the purpose of God for Him to partner with you. It's an opportunity for you to invite Jesus Jesus actually needs something to come into your life. He needs your permission. And if you want Jesus to come into your life and bless you in the financial area, you have to follow his principles that he's given to you in the scripture. One principle is tithes and offerings. As you give that to the Lord, as you bring it into the house of God, he chooses, he makes an agreement with you to be your partner, your financial partner. If you want to know the Lord as healer in your life, as physical healer, then you have to ask him to come in and reveal himself to you as your healer. So Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, was promoting uh, worship of his golden image, which we know is the spirit of mammon. So there is that in the world today. But Daniel said, no, we will not bow down to you. We will not bow down to your image of gold. We will not bow down to the spirit of mammon. We will worship our king. So Nebuchadnezzar got angry. He was full of rage. The Bible says he was full of rage and he said, Heat the furnace up seven times hotter than normal and throw these three men in, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Throw them into the furnace and let's see what happens. Nebuchadnezzar was surprised when he looked and he saw four men in the furnace. And he said, didn't I throw three in? Where's the fourth one come from? And the fourth one looks like the Son of God. When the fire heats up in your life and you choose not to bow down to the spirit of this world, when you choose not to bow down to the spirit of Babylon, but you choose to honor the Lord, He will literally come and stand beside you. He's a personal God. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but, but I am here. Jesus is here. It's true. Trials may come. Hardships may come. But I have prayed for you. Jesus will take the opportunity to leave heaven and come down and stand with you in the midst of fire when you make the decision to honor him. He is a personal Jesus. That's why he says, Jacob, I have loved. Esau, I have hated. What was Jacob's possession, uh, confession to Esau when he met his brother Esau? He said, I have plenty. I've come with gifts. You have what I receive, what I have. He, says, he said this. He said, with my staff, I crossed over this Jordan. Now. I have become something significant. Now I've become three bands. With my staff, I crossed over this Jordan. After Jacob received the blessing of God, he went out across the Jordan into the loneliness 
of himself with God. He met God at Bethel and he decided to commit the first fruits of his increase to God. And his confession was, with my staff, with nothing but my staff in my hand, I crossed over. But now I've become something significant because of God was invited into Jacob's life. He's a personal God. He wants to be a personal king. He wants to be your personal healer. He wants to be your personal provider. But he needs something. He needs you to bring him something. He needs you to bring your worship, your devotion. He needs you to bring your bodies, your physical bodies, and commit them to him. He needs you to bring your children. Don't leave your children outside. Don't be dictated by their humanistic needs. Don't bow down to your children, but teach them to come into God's presence and kneel before the King of Kings. That Jesus would be exalted in our lives, that Jesus would be exalted in our families. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So let's, let's just offer up some worship as we close this meeting. If we could just all stand up and just focus on, on Jesus this morning. Let's bring our attention to him. He is the one. He is worthy. He's our defender. The Spirit of the Lord says, I am your defender. Let me defend you. Yeah, David says, with feeble knees that are weak through fasting, in my weakness I come, you would be my strength. Hmm. Jesus, you've plucked us out of the midst of the fire. Father, we thank you for that prophetic song this morning. You plucked us from the midst of the fire. Sure, the fire was hot. It was heated. But Lord, you've come to stand with us. You've come as a fourth man in the fire this morning. Jesus, you've come to remove us, that we will forever worship you. You are our deliverer. You are our healer. You are our provider. Jesus, you are our king. Our life is no longer our own. We're hid in Christ. We're dead and buried in Him that we may be risen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for extending our life.